Amen. What a powerful song. Great way to kick off 2017. Um, before we jump into the message here, I want to share a couple of things with you, a couple of things that are happening here at Bethany, let you know uh, about a couple of things that we are up to, uh, things that you might be interested in participating in. I hear some of you uh, already filling out or tearing off that uh, connection card uh, that you will find in the bulletins. I'd invite all of you to do that. Uh, at the end of the service, as the offering plates come by, that's the time to turn that in. There's a couple of things in there that you can respond to. Uh, that I wanted to let you know about. The first is our starting point class. Uh, that is happening uh, on January uh, 16th. Yeah, I got it. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Corey. Uh, January 16th uh, at 6.30 p.m. This class is for anybody who hasn't attended it, who would like to attend it, that is asking questions about maybe who God is, uh, what is this church about, what's the leadership of this church about, who are they. Uh, it's a great opportunity to meet uh, Pastor Adam. Uh, and the elders and some of their, uh, the family there, and just get to know them, and also just ask any questions that you might have about, again, faith or even the church. Uh, it's a fun evening uh, that I, I uh, look forward to on a regular basis. So if you're interested in that, uh, if you sign up for that, you're not signing up to be part of the church or anything like that. You're just saying, hey, I'm curious about who Bethany is and what it's about. And so uh, we'd invite you to that. If you'd like to come, just mark it on that connection card, and we'll get you the information you need. The next thing I have for you is about our uh, adult education classes, what, what some might know of as Sunday school. Uh, these classes uh, happen during this service, the 1030 service, um, and we are starting a new quarter. So there's going to be some new classes happening. Uh, I just invite you to look in the bulletin there. You can get the rundown of, of what's there. Maybe something catches your interest, uh, something that you would like to maybe study a little bit deeper. Uh, so we just give you that invitation to do that, and that will start next week, uh, January 8th. Uh, the next thing I have for you, we don't have a slide for it, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to catch you off guard. It's going to be a little shocking. I just want to prepare you for that. Um, this morning, Pastor Adam really wanted to be here. Uh, he was supposed to be here, and his wife, Tanya, was supposed to be here. She was actually supposed to be on stage there. Sarah was filling in uh, for her this morning. Um, on Thursday evening, uh, I guess it was Thursday, uh, Tanya started to get feeling very sick, and they thought that she was either having a complex migraine or symptoms of the flu, um, and so by Friday morning, uh, things had not gotten better. She was suffering from short-term memory loss. Uh, her vision was very uh, blurred. She was struggling to see and very disoriented, uh, so they took, uh, Adam took Tanya into uh, the, the ER, and what the result is, what has come, is that she's actually, she actually suffered a stroke. Um, and so for those of you who don't know Tanya, Tanya is only 42 years old for someone to suffer a stroke. There's a lot of concern there. Um, my wife Erin was in to see her last night. She's doing well. She uh, was joking around. She is herself. She has her strength. She's not uh, debilitated in any way. She has some numbness in her lips still. Uh, her memory, uh, the short-term memory loss, she's still struggling with. Uh, there's some things that she doesn't, so if she talks to somebody, she might not remember that she talked to them recently, but she has all of her uh, long-term memory. She knows who she is and who her kids are and, and uh, of course, all that. But uh, the, the big prayer request right now is her vision. She's still struggling with her peripheral vision, uh, and there's some there's some spots, uh, like in, when she focuses, even looks at someone's face, there's, a, there's some dark spots there. She's struggling with that. So that's the biggest prayer request uh, for her right now. Uh, they're hoping that she will come home today. I just talked to her this morning, just about a half hour ago, uh, just to ask her if there's anything I could share. She said that she just wants you to know that she is doing well. She is herself. She is, she's 
laughing and joking. She wants you to know she's not in a wheelchair or uh, handicapped in that way right now. Uh, But she does have a road of recovery ahead of her. Uh, If you would like to send her something on social media, a card, uh, please feel free to do that. Visits probably wouldn't be recommended right now because she really just needs her rest and to to catch up on that. Uh, So what I want to do now is I just want to just go into a time of prayer for her and for them and that they would, uh, that, that God would bring healing uh, and recovery for them. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll try to jump into the message this morning. So Father, you are the great I am. And as we sing that song, I'm reminded that you told that to Moses thousands of years ago, and that has not changed. And when your son Jesus came to earth, he told the Pharisees before Abraham was, I am. There is power in that name. Lord, we trust you. We know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We, we know that you're a God who hears us when we cry out to you. We know that you listen because, not of because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Because what Jesus has accomplished, we can come before you righteous and clean. Father, I pray that above all else, that that message would resonate in our hearts. That, that we would know who we are in you. Father, this event in Tanya's life, oh, how scary it was Friday when we didn't know what exactly was happening with her. It's just a reminder of how fragile life is. Father, you know the days that we have. You give us the breath in our lungs. May we not forget that. May we use the gifts that you've given us, the breath in our lungs, the days ahead to do kingdom work, to do work that's lasting to bless your name. Father, we pray for Adam and Tanya. Father, where there's a lot of concern, I can sense it in the room right now. We pray that Tanya would be healed. We pray that you would help her to recover, that you would give her her strength. Uh, Lord, we pray for the vision, that she would be able to see again uh, in a full way as she was before, that you would take away the, the spots that are there. Lord, we pray for uh, them as she won't be able to drive for several weeks and the recovery process. Uh, Lord, there's a lot of, a lot of things that have, have been upended for them. So we pray that you would uh, just provide and, and use us uh, as part of your body, as part of your family to reach them and uh, bless them in any way that we can. Father, as we uh, dig into your word now, I pray that you would calm our hearts, uh, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I know that uh, for Adam and Tanya, they want us to press on this morning. They, of course, want us to, to push in uh, to start this series. I know that Adam's, Adam's really excited about it, uh, to jump into this series about teaching us to pray. And so one of the things I want to do first with that is uh, to, to talk about this thing right here. This is our known journal. Uh, those of you who have been journeying with us for a while, you know what this is. This comes out uh, once a quarter. It's a reading plan that we put together because we want to encourage you Uh, to be in God's word for yourself. It's one of our biggest passions. If I could say for Adam and I and boil it down, what do we want the most uh, for the the family here at Bethany is for you to be digging into the word of God for yourself, to be reading it yourself. And so we ask the question, what can we do? How can we help? And so we put this reading plan together that follows along with the sermon series. So um, 
If you have one of these, we'll be on page 14 this morning. You can take notes in there if you like. Uh, and we would just encourage you uh, to be reading God's Word on your own. And if you don't do this, this journal here, that's fine. If you, you do it some other way, that's great. Uh, but this, this resource is here for you. As you walk out these doors and you go to your right out in the foyer there, there's a table that has a whole bunch of these. Uh, please feel free to take them. Uh, they are free to you if you're going to use them, even if uh, you know somebody else that might be blessed by it. Uh, please feel free uh, to give it to them as well because we want, above all else, for you guys to be in God's word, that you would know God, and that you would uh, be walking with him. All right, so as we kick off this series, um, what I want to do here, I, I think I need to get our TV working here again. This seems to have turned off, so perhaps it won't work today. So you might just have to follow along on the screen in the back there. Um, oh, Okay. Someone's talking to me. All right. All right. I suppose that wasn't, yes, Lord, I should say that. Yes, Lord. Dear God. See? Three things. Yes? We pray. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, Mm. but still omnipotent. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of no food, I will fear no hunger. And we thank you, O sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laid at our table this day. We want you to give us this day our daily bread and to the republic for which it stands. And To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly. By the power invested in me, I announce us ready to eat. To Follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Thank you, Lord, for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Okay, so what that was, how we walked into 2017 here, that was my AV guys telling me that I missed my cue, that I was supposed to intro that bumper, and I didn't, because I was thinking about Tanya. So I think you'll give me a pass on that one, but that's what we were supposed to do there. So... This is the series that we were in uh, on prayer. And so just to get this this series started, I thought the best way to do this would be to give us a basic definition. What is prayer? What are we talking about here? Uh, Because there's a lot of different definitions that we might use. And so I wanted to give you the kind of a baseline definition for us as we talk about prayer. This comes from an author. His name is Steve Brown. And he says this, at its most basic, so at the most basic level, prayer is simply the communion the communication and the contact between the creator or the created and the creator. So it's us reaching out. It's people reaching out to a higher power with praise, adoration. It's bringing our needs before God or our creator, if you want to use that. It's crying out for help. It's calling the desires of our hearts, calling out to God and bringing it to him. Now, this desire, uh, I think, is hardwired into all of us. I think this desire to connect with a higher power is hardwired into all of us, and I think it comes from God himself. He's put it in us. He's put this inclination in us to connect with him. If you're not convinced of that, maybe you're someone who is an atheist here. Maybe you're here and just exploring and saying, ah, just asking questions about God. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know where you are in your journey, but... I would suggest to you that this inclination is in all of us because 
it's been my experience that if I ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you, even those who don't believe in God, those that are in the midst of hard time, in tragedy, in suffering and heartache, if you go to someone and ask them, hey, can I pray for you, what I have found is nine times out of ten, they will say, yes, absolutely, will you pray for me? It's one of the things I've learned uh, from my mother. My mother is, is great at this. She's embarrassed me many times uh, being out in public, and she'll just feel like there's somebody who needs prayer. And it's, it could be a waitress, it could be a hostess, whoever it is, and she'll say, hey, I just feel like, like you need somebody to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And almost every time, people are like, would, would you? Like, you would pray for me? You would pray with me? It's amazing to see, and I think that this inclination is deep inside of all of us. Now, for those in the Christian faith, I think it's something that we would acknowledge that it's important. It's extremely important. But I would also venture a guess that many of us struggle with it. As I sit with other Christians and talk with them, many of us feel maybe inadequate in our ability to do it. How do we do it? What are we supposed to say? When are we supposed to do it? What does it look like? Being a pastor, I know this is true because... Throughout my, my years here uh, serving as a pastor, anytime I get invited to a dinner or a party or something like that, somebody invites me over, uh, oftentimes what will happen is that people will say, hey, hey, pastor, why don't you pray? As if I'm a professional prayer or something like that. Like, well, you, you, that's your job, isn't it? You get paid to pray, right? And I'm always humbled by the invitation. I always, I'm, I'm always humbled by that invitation to be able to lead a group of people in prayer. But I am, I am somewhat saddened by the, the giving up of an opportunity to lead in prayer like that. I'm saddened that people don't have more confidence in who they are and what their words would mean to God and the fact that they could lead that conversation, that they could connect with their Heavenly Father. Now, if it's... It should be some consolation to us that the disciples, the 12 that Jesus chose while he was walking on the earth, he chose 12 to be close with him. And during their time with him, they came to him and said this. They asked this question. It comes in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. You see that often if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You will see that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer That should encourage us to to pray more often, I think. But it says this, As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So something that Jesus was doing, something that Jesus was saying, because the disciples, I'm sure, were sitting there listening from afar. Maybe Jesus was praying out loud. Maybe he was moving in some way, but there was something that Jesus was doing that was drawing those disciples in to say, wait a second, how does he do that? What, how should we pray? And so we should take some, uh, some encouragement from that, that Hey, maybe we struggle in prayer. Maybe we struggle to know what to say. Well, the disciples did too. And God hasn't left us without some instruction in this area of prayer. And we're going to go deeper into, because after you go through this passage, you get into the Lord's Prayer. And he teaches them, gives them kind of the framework for prayer. And we're going to go into that. That's what this series is really going to pull apart the Lord's Prayer. But we're not going to do that today because we're going to set the stage for that today. We're going to set the stage for what prayer is. Now, the Word of God, God's Word to us as mankind, as we find in the Scriptures, includes a lot of things about prayer. There's a lot of things from uh, instructions or commands like this one. Commands that tell us 
that we should pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. Or if you're in the King James, I believe it's pray without ceasing, right? Don't stop. That's a, that's a command. Never stop praying. Now we could go deep into that. And what does that mean? Does that mean I'm supposed to just be a monk and put myself in a closet and pray 24-7? I don't think that that's what Paul was getting at there. And we're not going to dive into that. But it's still a command that says never stop praying. We should be praying on a regular basis. God's word includes instructions on how to pray. Like Ephesians 6, when it gets into this conversation about spiritual warfare, you find this uh, from the Apostle Paul. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So he even gives us some instructions on who to pray for. But the command here is pray in the spirit. So we should be plugged in. The Holy Spirit should be working in us when we're praying. So there's this command on how we should do it. And then who should we pray for? The Bible even instructs instructs us on this. 1 Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Pray for all people. All right? That includes everyone. Even your enemies. Right? Pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully in quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So pray for all people. So he gives us these instructions throughout his word. Now, this makes for good Bible study. Makes for good Bible study. We could dig into these passages and pull through what do they mean and go deeper into them. But I would ask the question, well, what, what does this mean? How do I flesh this out in my life? Why do I struggle to make prayer a regular uh, part of my day? Why do I find myself getting through the majority of my day without yielding or stopping to take time to pray? Or maybe I only pray for meals when it's dinner time, we sit down, we pray. Or at the end of my devotional time, but I don't make it a regular part of our day. And so that's what we want to focus on this morning is maybe why that happens and how we can work through that. And so here's the kind of the big idea for today, if I can get the screen to work. There it goes. Perhaps the reason we struggle with prayer is that our hearts simply aren't ready. Let that sit in for a second. Perhaps the reason we struggle with prayer is that our hearts simply aren't ready for it yet. Well, let's unpack what that means. I believe our hearts need preparation. You need time to reflect on who God is, what he's done for you, Because part of our human condition, part of the reality of the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned and they took what God told them not to take and it created that separation and God said, surely you will die. Well, part of that is that our hearts are continually drifting and not towards God. Our hearts don't drift towards God. Our hearts drift away from God. So our natural tendency, our natural drift is to drift away. It's part of the human condition. The day that I first believed in Jesus, the day that I first put my faith in him, I was deeply encouraged. I was excited. I was excited to tell people about him. I was excited to tell people about what was happening in my life, the changes that were happening in me, that I had been set free from sin, that I had been cleansed, and all of those great things. I was drawn close to God. I was blown away by his mercy, the fact that he would forgive me after all the things that I've done, that he would wash my slate clean. But as the days go by, right, the days, the weeks, the months go by, and you continually churn through the difficulties of life, 
that passion, that fire that you once had starts to fade. And so our hearts are continually drifting away from God, and we need to continually be pulling them back towards him. Seeking him. That's why all through the scriptures, you read the scriptures, you give the the scriptures a fair read, you're going to see numerous times where God says, seek me, call on me. Put your attention, your mind, fix your thoughts on me. Because he's reminding us, you're moving away from me, come back. I'll give you an example of this. Some of you, when you wake up in the morning, and maybe you're, if you're next to this person, don't nudge them. Because you're going to give it away. But some of you, when you wake up in the morning, you're a bear. Like you need that morning cup of coffee. You need some time to like just think and adjust and get ready for the day. Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, uh, then maybe it's you uh, that is that person. But some of us need that time to warm up, right? Some of the, we, we just need that time to don't ask me any questions. Don't ask me like big, like family decision type stuff. Because that first like 20 minutes, half hour, hour, whatever it is for you, I need some time to think and get my head right for the morning. Or think about the car in the morning, all right? The winter, in the winter time, when you go out to the car, right? If you don't have a garage, which I don't, you go out to the car, the car, you start it up. You can't just start the car up, put it in reverse and go. I mean, if there's frost all over the windows and the engine's cold, the mechanics would tell you to let it warm up a little bit before you just take off. Most of us ignore that. But <clears throat> we get that stuff that you can just spray on the windshield now, just spray it off. But it needs time to warm up. Well, the same is true in our relationship with God. We need some time for our hearts to be prepared for what God is going to do for us, in us, through us. So let's turn. I want to look at a passage with you. We're going to be in the book of Psalms uh, this morning. Uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. So if you, have, uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you'll find some in the pews there. And in the pew Bible, if you're using that one, we'll be on page 453. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you're free to take that one with you. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, You may have that as a gift from us to you. So let's just take a minute here to read through Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. Oh, the joys of those who do not, excuse me. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now the book of Psalms, if you're not familiar, the book of Psalms is a, it's a compilation Right? They, they put together these, uh, these different songs, mainly songs and prayers. Most of them are actually either prayers or songs, and they, it's been put together, it's been compiled. And I believe that it's been compiled as in everything with God's word with a purpose. There's no word or letter that's misplaced because God put everything together with a purpose. And I think Psalm 1 is put in the beginning of this book of prayer, songs to God, with a purpose. And it's because, as I said, we're not ready yet. And that's what this text does. 
Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he, he put together the, the message version of the Bible, he says this about the book of Psalms. He says, the text of the Psalms that teaches us to pray doesn't begin with prayer. We are not ready. We are wrapped up in ourselves. We are knocked around by the world. And Psalm 1 is a pre-prayer getting us ready. It's getting us ready. It's interesting. You move on. You go into Psalm 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. What do they begin with? They begin with a conversation with God, a direct conversation with God. They start with, oh Lord, direct communication with God. But Psalm 1 does not start that way. So the book on prayer does not start that way because I believe we're not ready. Psalm 1 starts with this. Where does your counsel come from? Who are you listening to? Who are you taking advice from? Psalm 1 starts with, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Where does our counsel come from? Where do we take in? Who are we listening to? Where does the majority of our information come from? And the reality is, and you all know this, if we take bad counsel, if all we surround ourselves with is bad counsel, what is going to come out in our lives is not godliness, not holiness. If all that is there that we're listening to is is bad counsel, it's leading us away from God, it's not going to produce fruit or fruit that's worthwhile. And this shouldn't surprise us. When I hit the age of 30, something happened to my body. I used to be able to go to McDonald's, order like 20, the 20-piece 20 chicken McNugget, French fries and a soda, and it did not affect me. I hit the age of 30 and someone hit a switch and it stopped. It made me sick. It literally makes me sick because what I'm putting into my body is not good. And I guess when you're young, you can handle it, but not anymore. What we put in... What we put into our hearts and minds is going to produce something. If that's what I'm putting in, if McDonald's is what I'm consistently putting into my life, my quality of life is going to go down drastically. Spiritually speaking, if what we're putting into our heart and mind is garbage, it's bad counsel, then what's it going to produce? Jesus made a statement during his time on earth. He said that people do not live on bread alone, but they live on the very word of God. They live in the very word of God. They don't literally, okay, they don't literally take the pages of the Bible and eat them, right? That would be ridiculous. But what he's saying is, he's saying that you live on the word of God, that life, peace, and joy come from knowing God. And so if I live on the word of God, if I'm taking in, if that's what's coming into me, then that's what's going to come out. If I am focused on who he is and what he's done for me and Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and I'm focused on the goodness of God, then what is going to produce in me is stability, strength, fruit is going to bear in my life. But if I daily go through my life neglecting his counsel, neglecting the word, just doing whatever I want to do, if that's my daily pursuit, then my life is going to produce those thorns. Move to the next verse there, verse 2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. What this means here, what, what the author of the book of Psalms is getting at here is what 
Moses did. He wrote the, the five books of the Torah, right? The, the Old Testament, the, the Pentateuch, as some would call it. The first five books of the Bible. And what this is saying is those who delight in that, they delight in the instruction of the Lord. They delight in what God is saying about who he is and who we are. They take time not only to think about or take time not only to read it, right? Not only to read God's word, but now I'm going to think about it. I'm going to meditate on it. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They think about it. They turn over it. They, they work it through. What does this mean for my life? What does this text tell me about God? What does this text tell me about me? What does this text tell me about the people that I'm living with and interacting with? That's what it means to meditate. To just focus in on who God is and take some time, quiet time, get away from everything else and just think and focus on who he is and what he's done for you. There's no shortcut here, folks. And I'm not trying to tie you down with a heavy burden. I'm not trying to put a weight on you. I'm not even telling you that you have to go home and use this reading plan and read and follow along. I can't force you to do that. And I I wouldn't. It's not what I'm asking you to do. But here's what I would challenge you with. If your desire, if your stated goal in life, if your said goal is, I want a deeper relationship with God. I want to know him. Uh, I want to be closer with him. I want to have a fuller relationship with him. I want my relationships in life to be fuller and more meaningful. If that's a stated goal of yours, then there is no shortcut. The only way to grow in your faith and get into a deeper relationship with God is to spend time focusing on him, meditating on his word, spending time praying, listening to his word. If you can't read, listen. I've talked to some who say, hey, I just struggle to read. There's tons of resources out there where you can just listen to the word of God. Let it soak in. Think about it. If that's your stated goal to know him, then you have to meditate on it. And I want to make an important distinction here. Because I believe meditation and prayer are two different things. I believe meditation and prayer are two different things. Sometimes we read, right? We read to check it off a list. I've been guilty of this in my life. All right, God, I woke up this morning. I read for 10 minutes. I move on. And like an hour later, I couldn't tell you what I read. All right? Any of you relate to that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I see some of you shaking your head. An hour later, I don't know what I read. Well, what good was it to me? But what meditation is, meditation is different. Now, when we think about meditation, it's something that we think about in the Eastern religions. We think about, uh, you know, calming your heart, sitting down, trying to push everything out, getting, getting clear in your mind and your thoughts and trying to focus on good things. It's interesting because in the scriptures, God actually tells us that we should do that, that we should, we should take our thoughts captive, that we should fix our mind on things that are, are excellent and praiseworthy and trustworthy and true, right? So God tells us we should do those things. Maybe not in the way that some of the Eastern religions do them, but it is a part of what we should do. Meditation is stated here in Psalm 1. And I believe this is to be consumed by the Word of God. That's what meditation is. It's to be consumed by the Word of God, to sit in a place and think and focus, okay, this is who God is. This is what this passage says about Him. This is what it's telling me about Him, and I want to focus in on that. And the reason I want to make this distinction is sometimes we think that prayer and meditation are the same thing. I had a friend who was telling me about his mother's uh, health struggles. 
And she was struggling with some different things, and stress was a part of this. And she had gone through doctor, from doctor to doctor and doctor. They couldn't figure it out. So finally, they sent her out uh, to the Mayo Clinic. And when she got out there, the doctor's first question was to her was, do you meditate? She said, yeah, well, I pray every day. He said, that's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you if you pray. I asked you if you meditate. And she had to think about that. She was caught off guard. And she said, well, well, I don't understand the question then because I, I do spend time quietly reserving my heart and praying to God. And he said, that's not what I'm asking. Meditation is a different thing. And I think when Psalm uh, chapter 1 verse 2 here tells us about meditating on the word of God, I think this distinction is important. Because I think prayer, follow me here, I think prayer can actually bring about stress in our life. And this is what that doctor was getting at. Because there are times when we bring our prayer request to God, right? And what are we doing? We're bringing up all of the things in our heart that are causing what? Anxiety, struggle. All right, I want to give you some passages here. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7, right? So what am I doing? I'm coming to God with all my cares, all my anxiety, and I'm bringing it to him. This is a good thing. But I'm not sure that this falls into the category of meditation. I'll give you another one. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I can't tell you how strong of a statement that is. We made that into a song about 20 years ago, and we sing that little chorus, As the deer, right? Okay. That is such a strong statement. As the deer pants for water... So my soul longs for you. I thirst for you, God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior. You see the angst in this prayer? He's even talking to his own heart. He's saying, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? This prayer is agonizing. This prayer is agonizing. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he was in the garden. Some of you are familiar with this. And he was crying out to God, so much so that some of the authors in the the New Testament tell us that he was sweating drops of blood. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. See, when we are crying out to God and we are praying and bringing all of our anxieties to him, what this is actually doing is, number one, it's focused, if we're honest, stay with me here, if we're honest, we're focused on ourselves. Those prayer requests that are those verses that I just showed were all focused on me. Cast all of your anxieties. I long for you, God. Where are you? Father, take this cup from me. This is all focused on me. Right? And I would ask the question, does this bring about peace in your heart? Certainly God can do that. But what I think meditation is, Meditation is me calming my heart and remembering that I am not in charge of the universe and remembering the one who is, remembering the one who holds all the cards 
And all the promises that he said about himself, that he is the great I am, that he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, that he can put all things together and he holds all things in his hands, that's the difference. So when I'm meditating on the word of God, I'm meditating on his greatness, his strength, his goodness, all the good things that he's done for me. And it grounds me and it reminds me, oh, wait a second, Chris, the world doesn't revolve around you. He's in control of it. It reminds me that he is, he's creating or writing the story, and I'm a part of it. No matter what comes into my life, no matter what health situation, no matter what relationship breakdown, no matter what anxiety or addiction, that God is writing the story. And that any time I can stop, and I can pause, and I can think and remember, wait, he's in control. This isn't all about me. Because honestly, folks, when we're in the midst of the struggle and the the anxiety of this world, it all of a sudden it can become so much just focused on me. But meditating on who God is, that's changing our focus. And here is what this brings. I want to close with this. This is what this brings. Psalm 1, chapter or verse 3. Look at what is the result of this. The author doesn't waste any time. He goes from, I meditate on it day and night, the law of the Lord. It's a delight to me. And here's what happens if you do that. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They prosper in all they do. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Trees that are planted in places that have rich water. Recently, we started an addition at our house. And to do the addition, we had to take down this large, large gum tree that was outside of the front door of our house. It was probably, I don't know, 50 feet tall, maybe, maybe not quite that high, but it was a big, thick tree. And as we did the addition, we, dug, we knocked the tree out, we started digging, we found a spring, a spring that was there. Now, one of the things that I've had to do is I have this big burn pile. I didn't have the, the company clean up the tree. I had the space there. So I, I cut up all this wood. I made this big pile, and I've been trying to burn it. And I've been trying to burn it for a month, and it will not burn. It's making me angry. It's so wet because it was planted by a spring. Now, something you might not know is that where my burn pile is is next to a cornfield. And by the cornfield... There comes this thing called chaff, the stuff that comes off the corn. Do you know that that makes great fuel to start fires? Why? Because it's dry, right? It's dry, brittle, all right? The the text tells us that when we are delighting and meditating in the word of God, that we are like a tree planted along the riverbank. I cut that tree down a month ago, and I still can't burn it. Why? Because it was planted by a spring, What happens to us in life is when we go through dry seasons in our life, if we've been meditating on the fullness and the richness of God, it fills our lives. So we go through the dry seasons, we go through the droughts, but we do not burn up. We still bear fruit in season because we're full, because we know who God is, we know who our creator is, and we know what he's doing inside of us. Even though sometimes we're asking questions, why God? But we make it through the dry seasons and we prosper because we're planted by the living water. All through the text, 
God calls himself the living water. And when we're planted closely to him, when we're meditating on who he is, it helps us to prosper through those difficult, dry seasons. And then he contrasts it. He contrasts it. He says, but not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. And sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. My encouragement for you as we close, I ask this question, which are you? Are you like a tree that's planted by a spring or by a river of flowing water? Are you bearing fruit, meaning fruit for the kingdom, fruit for God's glory? Or are you like chaff right now, just dry and brittle? And that can change. You can change that status. But what you have to do in order to change that status is to do exactly what Psalm chapter 1 tells us to do. To meditate on the the law of the Lord. Meditate on God's word. Meditate on who he is day and night. Spend time focusing. Remind your heart that he is in charge and not us. I want to leave you with one final thing. It's It's a statement from John Piper. I wish I could say it as powerfully as he could. But he says this. He says, get alone with God and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and you are cared for. Get alone with God. Preach his word into your mind. That's meditating on God's word until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. If you have been walking through 2016 and 2016 has been a dry, weary time for you and you're wondering, God, where are you? Where have you been? I don't know where you are. May I encourage you to do exactly what John calls us or asks us to do here? And that's get alone with God. Spend time meditating on who he is. Don't spend so much time focused on who you are, but focus more on who he is. And have God remind you of what he's doing in your life and what his plan is for you. And my prayer is for us is that we go through 2017, that we would be like trees that are planted along the riverbank that we never go dry, we never wither, and we're always bearing fruit for the kingdom, sharing the glory of God, the goodness of God, the love of Jesus with not only uh, those directly in our lives, but those in the community around us, that we would be a church that would do that. So let us just pray. We'll close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace, your mercy. Father, we long to be like trees planted by springs of flowing water. Lord, we don't want to wither. We want to bear fruit for you and for your kingdom. Father, I pray that you would help us to make time to just get alone with you on a daily basis, to be reminded of your goodness, to be reminded of who you are. Father, I pray that you would help us in this struggle, help us in this fight. Father, help us to be about your kingdom and about your glory. And I pray these things in the great and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.